Hey friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. And welcome to this week's episode of Becoming Buffy Nightmares. We are so ready for this episode. Like, I mean, we talked a lot on our show about foreshadowing and uh, future themes and all that. But this episode is just so, so full of everything. So if you are a fan of the Scooby Secret section, genuinely stick for the mm-hmm. end of this, because this episode is and full some good stuff. of it. This episode yep. gets brushed by in the first season way too much. There's yeah. so much foreshadowing. I mean, like, I'm not going to give anything away, but this right. this episode is very parallel to a future episode a couple seasons from now, like a few seasons mm-hmm. from yeah. now. Which is insane. Yes. And there's so much callbacks. There's so much character, like, consistency and character development based off this one episode and Mm -hmm. foreshadowing. Like, there is – and I know we say this. We've said this a ton (laughs) up until now. But there genuinely is a ton of foreshadowing. So, like Leah said, stay around for Scooby Secrets because it'll be a ton. And even if you, you know, are new and don't listen to the spoiler section and all that – um, this episode is just such a good yeah, episode. It, it just does a lot with the characters that you would not expect a first season of a show to do. Like, mm-hmm. it really goes deep into, like, the core fears of some of these people. And you're just like, wow, I was not expecting yeah. them to get this deep in just the first season. Arguably, I think this is the first episode in the first season. You guys can differ with me. But this is the first okay. time each of the characters become three-dimensional in my mind. Like, Mm -hmm. there is a ton that is shown that, I guess, I mean, that's what's going to happen if you create a whole episode based off everyone's fears. That's what's going to happen. It's going to create three-dimensional characters. Mm -hmm. But if you know where the the show is going, this is when it really starts being like, oh, like, these characters are interesting. Like, I rewatched this episode, and I was like, Xander isn't too bad in this episode. He actually has some depth, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But it really gets you excited as a first-time watcher, and then it it gets you, like, excited rewatching it again because you're like, oh, I didn't even pick up on half this This is honestly such a good episode to show anyone to show beginning watchers Mm -hmm. to show returners to show whoever because like it's such a interesting episode because the first time you watch it like wow this is really cool i like this idea of you know showing their inner demons and their fears and all that especially someone like buffy and giles because it's like you feel like they face the biggest fears ever every day it's like what are you actually afraid of um And then it's just such an interesting episode to go back and watch once you've already seen the show or you know spoilers because like things just kind of start to make sense and you're just like, how did they line things up even from the first season? Like they Mm -hmm. were lining things up, which is just crazy. Like it's crazy that a show has such good consistency and foreshadows things even in the first season. It's insane. Yeah, this is by far my favorite episode of the first season, Mm. which I know a lot of people's favorite episode is the season finale. This one, the season finale would not be as great as it is if it wasn't for this episode. I agree. Um, And so much of the show, this this is foundational, this Mm -hmm. episode, because we have to understand where these characters are at, what drives them, what fears motivate them. 
because that's what causes us to care and empathize and to really kind of uh, down the line to really understand what yep, they're doing yeah. and why and they're doing what they're doing. This is the beginning of Joss Whedon loving to put his characters in just the most pain. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and this episode, like for some of the characters, specifically like Buffy and Giles, he, like he really does not shy away from like kind of making him go through a hard time. Yeah. Um, But before we go any further, I wanted to explain that this episode is going to be a little bit different um, of an episode than ones we've done previously, in that normally we would have the Scooby Secret section, which is our spoiler section at the end of the podcast. But this episode is a lot. It's a lot of details. It's a lot of stuff that we're going to be talking about. Like we we already know this is going to be a long episode. So instead of having, you know, a three hour long podcast, we decided to split it into two. So this is our spoiler free episode and we will be having the spoiler episode released um, right alongside this one. So if you get to the end and you're like, hey, where's the Scooby secret section? Have no fear. We just released it as a separate episode. So just for your guys's information. So, Nightmares, episode 10. I can't believe we're on episode 10. What in the world? I know. It's crazy. It aired um, May 12th, 1997. The teleplay was by David Greenwald, but the script and the story is Joss Whedon, oh, of, of course. course. You can anytime, so tell. Yeah. Anytime you have an episode that really like delves into the character psyche, it's Joss Whedon because he mm-hmm. has his finger on the pulse of what makes his characters tick. Yeah. So he has to be the person that's in here talking about what makes them afraid. Yeah. Um, but David Greenwald kind of came and edited it for um, television. And then it's directed by Bruce Seth Green. This first opening scene with Buffy coming into the sewers is iconic with her braids and her stake. And you kind of see the master like creeping behind the posts and yeah, stuff. It's very horror-like. Um, it is very horror-like. And fun fact, I just learned this past week or two that Allison Hannigan actually has all the props from Buffy, like all the skeletons that are in the master's lair, all of the um, headstones from the the graveyard and everything. And she pulls them out every Halloween. Isn't that cool? That's so funny. That's amazing. That's smart. That's what I would do too. She says their house looks really cool during Halloween. I was like, yeah. (laughs) Well, she posted like a couple days ago, she had an interview with someone and they asked her what um, her and her family are doing for Halloween because her and Alexis Denisoff, her husband, absolutely love dressing up for Halloween. It's like their favorite thing ever. They do it with yeah. the kids and they go all out. And um, they're asking her what they were going to do since we can't like trick or treat this year because of COVID. And she said that, th- and this is so cute, each destination um, in their house, it's supposed to be someone else's home, is like each door. And they're each oh, gonna they're gonna go into different rooms, and then their kids are gonna walk up and knock on it, and they're gonna give them candy, and then go to a different door. That's and cute. Then, that's really yeah. cute. Um, yeah, and she also said that the skeletons they look really real, but they're getting so old they're kind of crumbling because you know the show is like yeah. twenty five plus years ago, and yeah, things are starting or not twenty five, but you know twenty plus years. But she says they have to be really careful when they pull them out. But it looks really realistic. I'm like, man, I wish I could like drive by her house and like see all the Buffy props on her front lawn. Yeah. So we see the master kind of creeping behind the posts, the brick posts in the in the church, and he kind of like hisses at her. Did you guys catch that when he like comes at her? He like hisses at her like a snake, and I was Mm -hmm. like, that's interesting. 
Buffy is paralyzed and what is kind of insinuated is that Buffy is paralyzed out of fear. She's um, really scared of him. And mm. then I mean, honestly, I'd be too if I kept having like nightmares and daydreams. Well, if a creepy master stuff, dude comes up hissing at me, yes. Well, <laughs> honestly, and what I think is even creepier, they've touched on this a little bit in the show, but the fact that like um, slayers can kind of sometimes get like visions or mm-hmm. things like that. So Buffy hasn't seen the master yet. Like right. she hasn't seen him face to face. So she's just like getting visions or nightmares of him and mm-hmm. That would be terrifying. Like, not actually ever meeting someone face-to-face, but only seeing them in these creepy visions or nightmares and all this stuff, knowing that you're going to have to face them. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Right. Well, she doesn't know what he looks like, and she doesn't know what the area that he's in looks like either. But somehow, something is telling her what those look like. And it's got to be, like you said, it's the Slayer power that's showing her what it yeah. actually looks like. Yeah, Her mom wakes her up. And my first thought was she's sleeping on those kind of like doily-like pillows. And all I could think was that looks horribly uncomfortable and itchy. <sighs> yeah. And I can't wait until she gets rid of those and like has normal yeah. pillows for That's once. That's probably why she's having nightmares, man. Bad pillows. <laughs> yeah. She's like, ah, what is crawling on my, my neck? My neck would not thrive. <laughs> um, and her mom's like, all right, Buffy, it's time to go to school. Buffy's like, no, no. And then you find out that her dad is coming to pick her up and it's his weekend yep. with her. Which I think that Joss Whedon is brilliant for a number of reasons, but I think that it's really brilliant of him to actually like introduce the dad in an, an episode that is primarily about Buffy's fears. Mm-hmm. Well, it's about everyone's fears, but like, you know, Buffy's the main character. Well, so. honestly though, this episode I feel like does the most for Buffy's character development out of any episode we've seen so far. Yes, I, Because I would we've agree. had... We've had Willow's episode. We've had two of Xander's episode, but we haven't really had one that's yeah. solely focused on Buffy, like getting into her psyche and stuff. Well, other the than show like, is for Buffy, yet the first season so far, it's all about been everyone else's character development other mm-hmm. than hers. Yeah. But I yeah. think that I just think it's very interesting that they chose to introduce her dad um, on an episode that is about Buffy's fears. Like, mm-hmm. And they, he mm-hmm. really takes up a big chunk of Buffy's fears in this episode. It's just, it's so interesting because I think they've mentioned him maybe once or twice in the season so far, but we haven't met him. We haven't really heard much about him. All we know is that her mom and her dad split up. That's like pretty much all we know. And so like the way that he's introduced this episode, you're kind of like, I don't know if I like this guy. Yeah. And kind of going off of that, the next scene, you have Willow and Buffy talking about how Buffy's parents got separated a year ago. And Willow's kind of like, you know, prodding and like, okay, how long have they been separated and why? And Buffy's like, oh, you know, it was just really hard and I probably didn't help. Willow's trying to reassure her, I don't think that you had any reason with their split. And Buffy's like, no, no, of course not. But you can tell it's underneath definitely not that what there's she's this insecurity. Yeah. Yep. No, well, exactly. We even notice later on in the episode when she's talking to her dad that like she definitely feels like a part of it was her fault. Well, even yeah. with her drive over with Joyce, her mom's like, oh, are you afraid your dad isn't going to show? And she's like, no. Well, not really. So you can tell that like she has... Mm issues with like abandonment and like it's just afraid that like he's just not going to show up so there is it wouldn't be a nightmare right she wouldn't have the nightmare if it wasn't something she was actually right she wasn't afraid of you know 
So it obviously there's a deep seated insecurity and fear there that she's the cause and reason for her parents mm-hmm. split up. Yeah. And not just that, but that her dad doesn't actually want to have a relationship with her or care for her. So then we have this really funny moment in the classroom where Wendell is in Cordelia's light and the center then you of have the universe. Xander is like coming in. Yeah, he's talking about how the world does not revolve around you, Cordelia. And she's all like, well, why don't you revolve yourselves out of my light? Afterward, he goes up to Buffy and Willow and he's like, Wendell was in Cordelia's light. Yeah, and Buffy's all like, "Um, well, Cordelia's hair weighs her down. (laughs) She couldn't revolve. I think it's funny that she makes a specific dig at Cordelia's hair because later on we find out that Cordelia's hair being messed up is one of her nightmares. (laughs) Yep. Then the teacher starts her lecture and is talking about uh, a basic human need is to be heard. And of course, Xander didn't do the reading and was not paying attention at all to what was happening before. He was paying attention to the fact that the teacher was wearing a tight shirt. And so then Willow and Buffy – okay, so this is my main beef with Willow and Buffy is that they enable Xander a lot and it's frustrating because if I were friends with Xander, I'd be like, no, I'm not telling you what we read. Like you should have known. You should have been paying attention. I mean – Because what does he do with the information once they tell him? Like he sucks up to the teacher and pretends like he holds his hands up to his ears. I (sighs) will say I – I do – like I do get frustrated by the fact that like Buffy and, you know – willow kind of enable sander in a lot of ways but then i also think about it and i'm like okay when i was in high school i had a couple of friends that were kind of stupid and they would slack off and like i'm not gonna lie a lot of times like i would help them out like even though they were kind of stupid and i knew they were it's like okay this is my friend like i'm just gonna help them out even though you know they probably could have done that's this on their funny because i did the opposite if my friend didn't do it i'd be like bummer and then i would like purposely have the teacher call on them or something because I was trying to teach them. Oh, a, my a gosh. I, was, no. I know. I was kind of a jerk. Go out of your friends. way. Well, I did not. I was I did, a This good is friend. why I didn't have friends in high school. <laughs> Yikes. So, I mean, I like, to be fair, I don't think that I should have sometimes because I'm like, maybe, you know, these people should have done their homework or whatever. But at the same time, I also was just like, you know what? I'm sure that there are days where I'm not going to have time to do my homework and, you know, it'd be nice to have a friend help me out or things like that. So I was like, I'm just trying to. There's definitely a balance between what you did and I did. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. We got to help out our friends at some point, but then we also can't like coddle them either. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just like Xander only uses that information to, you know, suck up to the teacher, which frustrates me. But yeah, I that's agree. That's just my own personal issue. Anyway, but yeah, the teacher's fundamental need is to be heard, obviously is foreshadowing into the theme of this episode, um, all about listening to victims, listening to children specifically who have mm-hmm. been abused, who have been bullied, yeah. listening to people who are afraid and fearful and listening to each other about our fears. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just a really good theme for the episode. Yeah. Buffy drops her pencil, sees a little boy. And just then Wendell opens up his book, sees a bunch of tarantulas and spiders. They crawl all over him. He screams and Buffy looks over and the little boy says, sorry about that. And that little boy looks yeah. a lot like Joseph Gordon. Oh, my word. Every yeah. time I see him. <laughs> I, I looked up how old he would have been at that time because I was like, there's no he looks yeah. exactly he like He definitely him. was too old. But this is like, I think, one or two years um, away from when he recorded or not recorded when he was in um, 10 Things I Hate About You. So he would have for sure yeah, been a teenager. Yeah, there's no way. Yeah. 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 
But it honestly, just looks like a clone yeah. of him. He does. This like little scene reminds me of like um Insidious or movies like that, which mm-hmm. is like little like boys or whatever. It's just very creepy, like you know, him just showing up and yeah, not even really reacting. I, see, for me, this doesn't really seem creepy. It just seems kind of sad. Like I watch it and you can see the pain in the in the little boy's eyes. Like for me, it's not just like, oh, sorry about that. Like when they say it dead and then they walk away and you're like, ooh. <laughs> it's more of like you're like, oh, you can kind of tell, especially the way Buffy kind of looks at him. It's more of just like, huh, that's odd. I wonder why he's here rather than being like, oh, that was a creepy sighting because she forgets about him like until he shows up again. I don't know how she forgets about him. I would not forget a little boy in a high school classroom when a bunch of spiders right. jumped out of a book. My first thought would be like, hmm, we're on the hell mouth. Uh, never yeah. seen that <laughs> child before in high school. Hmm, two plus two is four. But there's also a ton of stuff that happens in the episode. I'd probably be way too distracted by everything going on than this random one child. Yeah, I think that's, the, that's kind of alluded to, the fact that she yeah. just got so distracted. Yeah. Um... I just wanted to talk about the master's like monologue. Yes. Um, it's so good. And I don't yes. know how I never really paid attention to this monologue until the last time we watched it. Um, but it's this up- is arguably probably the most important piece of dialogue for this entire episode. And there's yeah. a lot of important dialogue yeah. in this but episode. But even, even important for the whole season, for the whole show, just in general, like it's just such mm-hmm. a good monologue. Like he's talking about um like how people's fears control them and how if we can conquer those fears that we become powerful and like it's just very cool that the way that it's set up because he's not even supposed to be talking about Buffy or the gang or whatever he's I think he's mainly just talking about himself and mm-hmm. how he needs to conquer his fears because once he conquers his fears he can you know conquer Buffy, conquer all that. Because I think that even though this episode is, you know, talking about Buffy's fears and her, you know, the gang's fears, it's also talking about the fact that the master is a little afraid of Buffy. Well, honestly, I see it a little bit differently. The fact that he grabs the cross and talks about how, you know, he has this weird mortal dread of the cross and yet he grabs it and you see it smoking and and he's talking about fear, it almost is implied that the master has already conquered everything that scares him. Yeah, that maybe. he's not actually afraid of Buffy, that he's kind of just like, well, she's going to have to conquer her fear. I've mm. already conquered but, mine. And that's what makes him scary. And yeah. I will also like, and when you said that, Sarah, like it reminded me of something else. Like this is, I love how we all have different takes on this one scene. It just shows you how <laughs> intelligent it is. Um, But by him, like kind of like the contrast of him holding onto the cross, but then him being literally trapped inside a church i see it more of like his nightmare is to never being able to get out so like even when he says i like pain it can be controlled he talks about pain he doesn't talk about like it's it's the power over something that he likes Mm -hmm. but he doesn't have any power in the situation he's in he physically Mm -hmm. can't leave so i think Mm -hmm. like what happens in this episode and we'll say later see later on she fears him leaving and mm-hmm. so, therefore, he did leave, mm-hmm. um, which ended up being like kind of the the fruition of what he's scared about. And then he was he was, you know, he escaped. And then her fear yeah. was like exemplified because of that. Yeah. But and yeah. I mean, we will talk about it, you know, as the show progresses and all that. But I really would say that, you know, being controlled by what you fear is one of probably a, the minor themes in Buffy is mm-hmm. like. Yeah, people become controlled and it's definitely shown more in certain characters that will be introduced later but it's 
very human to kind of react based off of what you fear, but even more so in a show where you're faced with your fears all the time and faced with decisions because of it. You can become a very fearful person. Yeah. The master says, fear is the most powerful thing, even over love. He's afraid of the cross. And then he says, but fear is in the mind and can be controlled like pain. And then he says, if I face my fear, it cannot master me. And Mm -hmm. it clicked for me this last time that I watched it. And I was like, oh, snap. He's called the master. And he is the epitome of Buffy's fear. I really believe that he's what she's well, afraid of. That's why his thrall works on her. He literally mm-hmm. just explained why she gets paralyzed yep. around him is because of her fear of him. He is yeah. the master of fear. So therefore, right. she gets paralyzed when she's around him. Right. Because yeah. I was just like, how can, how does the master do that? How does like he do that? Yeah, yeah, other vampires can't, you know? I just thought it was really interesting that his name is literally the master and he talks about how we have to master our fear. And I think that he's the literal embodiment of Buffy's fear because this is obviously a showdown between the two of them is what the season is headed towards. Right. Um, So I just was like, oh, snap. Like that was a really clever name to give the big bad of season one. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. And that like I did not – even think about that until this last watch and i was like man always picking up something new buffy and her mom are in the car and they're on their way to school and buffy is going to be picked up by her dad at the end of of the school day and she realizes she forgot her bag and i think the the fact that she forgot her bag is showing how stressed and anxious she actually is she's very scatterbrained well i i viewed it differently i viewed it as like she in her subconscious thinks her dad's not going to show up so she therefore oh. forgot her bag because she like was like oh he's not going to show up and she didn't that's find it as a, a good priority point. Mm-hmm. that's a really good point tabby yeah i think it could go both ways yeah i was like hmm why did joss write in that she forgot her bag because i was like okay everything in this episode is intentional there's oh, gotta yeah. be a reason you know and joyce instantly knows something is going yep. on with buffy it's like honey are you worried your dad isn't going to show buffy's like no no of course not Where like yeah we all know and Joyce says, your father adores you. And um, and then obviously, Which, like, you know, I do too. It's very interesting that Joyce's words were not, he's going to show up. Of course, he's going to show up. He always mm. shows up. It's your father loves you. Which mm-hmm. is kind of a way of being like, even if he doesn't I hope show he up, shows up. But yeah. if he doesn't, please just know that yes. he loves you. Which mm. I love Joyce. And I think that she's a great mother. And I think that those are wise words to choose because it tries to focus Buffy not on the actions of her father and more of the heart of her father. Well, she's also not promising something that she's not sure he can deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's nothing yeah. worse than saying she yeah, played no, it he'll safe. show up and then yeah. Yeah. Right. Totally. Um, speaking of like fears and stuff, when it goes yeah. they go straight into the hallway and they're talking about the spiders, and then Will talks about how like she's terrified of them. Yeah, she's like, what do they need all those legs for anyway? I know. There's like, it's not that bad. Now, if it was like a bunch of tiny Nazis crawling all over my face, like, why would you go there? <laughs> I just like, oh, I, I, I have my issues with Sanders' character. But one of the things do you? that really- Do you really? Yes. <laughs> we do not know this, Leah. I don't know. <laughs> one of the things that really bothers me about his character, specifically that we've seen in the first season- um, and I'll point it out if I see it in the second seasons and on. I just don't really remember. But it's specifically in the first season, like, he really is just, he's so arrogant. But also just the fact that, like, whenever Buffy or Willow is scared or fearful, he, like, makes fun of them. 
he's like, well, I'm not scared of them. If he's not also scared of that, we saw that in the puppet show. He was making fun of Mm -hmm. Buffy because of the puppet, and she ended up being right. We see that now with the spiders. He's making fun of Willow, even though he's afraid of a clown. I was about to say, like, like, it's so juvenile, because I'm like, you're getting on her for being mad or for being scared of a puppet, yet you're scared of something equally as juvenile. Yep. Which I'm not yeah. gonna lie, I'm scared of both. So I can't sit here and be like, right, but I'm not, gonna make, I'm not gonna make fun of somebody <laughs> right. who's scared of like right worms. Right. Well, I might because I hate frogs. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like the thing is, though, is that it just bothers me because I'm like Xander, like you are no better than anyone else. It's just like Xander is so innately insecure that he needs to make fun of people for whatever it is that he can because he wants to feel strong he wants to feel better Mm -hmm. about himself well and it's just so bad in the first season mm -hmm. that he and he wants to look good in front of buffy ultimately as well and so anything he can do to make himself feel bigger like seem stronger he does even at the cost of his best friend's feelings we people tend to grab any sort of power or control in any way that they can in their life. And for him, that's trying to make him seem, I guess, like the opposite, seem more powerful, seem more masculine um, in moments where other people are in pain or they're going through something that exposes their insecurities or stuff that they're fearful Mm -hmm. of. So he's like, well, I'm not scared of that. That's dumb that for you to think that way or whatever, which is very immature to do. Which it is. It makes him a three-dimensional character. It makes him interesting. It makes him annoying, but it makes him a good <laughs> character. Like, he's not, you know, a moral character, but he is a well-written character. He's a realistic character. He's yes. someone we all know, yes. someone yeah. we all could have been friends with, you know? Yes. Well, yeah. friends is a little, a little harsh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, I do we have to remember that, although this is a TV show, that they're supposed to portray high schoolers, and I think right. Xander is a he more definitely realistic is high schooler. A high school, like a typical high school boy. Which gives me hope there's room for growth you know we'll we'll give xander we'll give xander room so they decide to head to the library because they're like great something's going on something's funky giles has got to know and they come in and giles comes out of the stacks looking incredibly confused yeah and says he got got lost lost in the stack Mm -hmm. he's all like twitchy and kind of like scattered and you're like who is this man and at this point we don't know what's happening so we're thinking like that's odd that he got lost that's weird yeah it's not that big back there yeah which actually it's way bigger than you think it is like they have the few stacks and then they have like that back room that they Mm -hmm. rarely ever show but it's actually there so it's like you could get lost back there it's not really entirely likely but it is like interesting that he comes back and he's like oh i got lost and everyone was just like oh okay and moves on it's like not that well and it's interesting that giles would have a nightmare about being lost in books and i think that speaks to maybe a deeper issue of giles feels like he's drowning in the amount of knowledge and the amount of information that he needs to Mm -hmm. find and discover oh i feels like he can never know enough well he feels like he has to hold the responsibility of knowing all the stuff that that the younger kids need to know because literally their lives are on the line. Which I mean, mm. he kind of has to yeah. like that. I can't. It's very like, realistic. We talk a lot about how Buffy's job is hard and stressful, but like honestly, like Giles is really awful too mm-hmm. because like he has to have information and knowledge on everything, and yeah. it's not like he can just go and ask someone else. Like he's pretty much it. Like we know that he might have some people. Um, 
with like the area that he works in that he could maybe ask. But as far as we know up to this point, he's kind of it. And so yeah. like whenever there's a problem or an issue, it's like he has to go and read every book possible until he finds an answer, which yeah. sounds exhausting because he's doing that on a loop. Like mm-hmm. every time they meet a new, like a new uh, monster Bad. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, back to the books. Like that yep. just sounds exhausting and so and overwhelming. Stressful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. So the, he's like, I can't find, couldn't find anything. I suggest you guys go and talk to Wendell. So they go to talk to Wendell and Wendell is like, yeah, I know spiders. Um, I have had multiple nightmares about spiders. This is the first time that it's actually been real though. Um, they hate me. And then all of a sudden Cordy walks by and is all like, Hey, Buffy, hope you studied for that history test. And I love the running theme of Buffy, like being stressed about history. <laughs> this, her nightmare right here would relatable. 1000% be me if I had like a nightmare in person. I, you guys, <laughs> for all the listeners out there, like, I mean, I graduated college a year and a half ago, 2019. I still have nightmares of like being like, oh, I'm in a class right now and it's halfway through the semester and like I haven't taken any of the tests and I have enough mm-hmm. and I have like two weeks to cram everything in. It's terrifying. And I feel Buffy in this scene. I'm like, the poor girl doesn't even know where the class is. Cordy's like, oh, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Like you've never been here before or whatever. I like, I, I can understand that feeling because there was definitely times where in like high school I would go to class or something and I would be like, I get the sinking feeling of like, oh my gosh, like, is there homework today or is there a test? The but I never, it never went to the, I think it was also because I didn't really care about school, <laughs> but like, oh never, my gosh, I never <laughs> went to the, comes out. It never went to the fact where I was like having nightmares or things. I was having nightmares about other things, but just never really about school. So I cannot like really relate to her terrible nightmare because I think for me, if that were to happen, I would just kind of be like, oh, crap, looks like I'm going to fail this test. Yeah, very different people. <laughs> I would stress, probably start crying. Like, I, I couldn't do it. Nope. So Willow and Xander keep talking to Wendell and he's all like, yeah, I went to wilderness camp and left my brother in charge of all my spiders and he left the heat lamp on for too long and they all died and now they hate me. Which is ironic that he went to wilderness camp. I know, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Who goes to wilderness camp and then like has hates their, spiders? Like, well, yeah, and then has like their spiders die. I don't think he hates spiders, but I think he's afraid of them now because he feels guilty. But well, yeah, that's what that's he kind said. Of a really, was, like, really weird, extreme. He was like, "I love them; they hate me." So I think, yeah, I think oh, you're right, okay. Sarah. Like, I think gotcha. he feels guilty. He's like, yeah. "I enjoy them, but they just like they hate me because you know." I killed them <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. yeah. And so, okay, Buffy's nails are really cute. Did you mm-hmm. guys remember like the like light yeah. blue? Light blue. And so cute. Matches her so outfit cute. later on. Very iconic. <sighs> well, yeah. the outfit she has yeah. on right now is light blue as well. She has the same outfit for the entire episode. Um, yeah. So then we talked about how Cordelia is like, you haven't been to class since the first day and it's in here and Buffy like has no idea where the room is, goes in and oh, this is so classic. She like, Looks at it and it's show all short answers. It's not even multiple choice. And there's a ton of them. There's like pages and pages of short yeah, answers. Typical like, oh history. Yeah. And her pencil breaks just as she's trying to even just write her name. Looks up and the clock has already like gone on. And I have taken some up. tests like that, man. We're like, yeah. I swear my and life fly by. Yep, you're just like sitting there and you're like, I haven't even gotten halfway through my test. And people are like getting up and they're finishing their test and you're like, 
what are you guys writing? Like, <laughs> yeah, Cordelia's giving her smug looks the entire time. Like, uh, you should have studied. Well, I think Cordelia just likes the idea of being superior to Buffy in mm-hmm. any way. She's soaking it up. And mm-hmm. so the fact that she's seeing Buffy struggle in something, she's like, oh, finally, a way I can one up her. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also wanted to note, really interesting, the back side of the classroom it looks like the outside of the warehouse wall. It's got that like metal jagged or not jagged, but it's like that zigzaggy type of um, pattern to it that you would normally see on the outside of a metal warehouse. And it, it looks like it's disguised well enough that it could be like a partition that they would have in between classrooms. But I also thought that was another little reminder that all of these scenes were shot inside of a warehouse yep. and they only had one classroom and they only had one hallway and they had to go and shoot scenes back and forth and re like set up the hallway just so it would look like it was a separate so corridor. Yeah, that sounds so awful. much work. Right. Especially because we have that shot with Xander coming up where it looks like there is um like there's painters tape and mm-hmm. tarps and everything hanging up. So yeah, a lot of moving stuff around. Yeah. Just yeah. Um, dedication, man. And she looks up and she sees the kid again. Um and she kind of makes a face of like, oh, that's interesting. Like you're here again but then i think like there's just so much happening where she's like trying to focus on like the test and turning it in that she doesn't really think about it that much but mm-hmm. i don't know if as soon as i saw him the second time i'd be like there's something going on i would have been wigged out the first time so the fact that she's not even clicking in the second time i'm like buffy man you're really off your game today then outside of the classroom there's a girl that's all like Hey, I'm gonna go for a, but she doesn't say smoke. She like I know. Holds does the, the hand gestures. Yeah. Like, okay, if you're trying to keep that away from a teacher, thing. they're yep. gonna see you. <laughs> I would just mouth it. You. Like, why right. do the hand motion? Because that's way yeah. more obvious than just saying know. smoke. Because <laughs> people around you aren't really gonna hear that. Rather than yeah. like doing the hand motion, people from all yeah. the way across the hallway can see that. So right, stupid. exactly. Yeah, no wonder she why goes this down. girl gets like annihilated in the break room. <laughs> <laughs> then she goes down into this door that we've never seen before. And you see the little boy once again says, shouldn't go in there. She goes downstairs and then gets beat up by this guy who keeps saying, lucky 19, lucky 19. He's deformed. He doesn't really have real hands. He has like a like a has, like, mallet or something. Yeah, one yeah. is like just like a bat thing. Which yeah. Yeah. He has we a know trench why, coat. Yeah, we know why it's shaped like a bat for because of later on. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. but I, I also, when I rewatched it with mom, mom uh, pointed it out. There's like a sign that says smoking kills. And I was like, yeah. oh my word. Yeah. One of the, <laughs> one of the more on the obvious yeah. ones. Well, yeah. back again, like we said, the show had very little budget when it first started out. So they had to put little things like this in there because they would hopefully get money from sponsorships. And it was very much like the whole, you know, it's just a lot of the don't drink, don't smoke. Yeah. Kind a of lot thing. of the themes from the first season are very like, stay in the school and then the, the, the teacher's pet is one is like stay a virgin Don't have sex yeah <laughs> this yeah. one's like smoking gills it's like okay yeah, we, we, right. we get it we get yeah, it we get it you want the sponsorships it's okay <laughs> meanwhile they're like killing people like, yeah i, I feel like somebody really has bigger problems than it's smoking like, yeah, if then kids you hadn't have gone downstairs and... to get a smoke break, you wouldn't be dead. So smoking kills, like, <laughs> I know. so insensitive, Joss. I'm like, <laughs> I really feel like Sunnydale has bigger issues than yeah, someone than taking a smoke break, bro. Yeah. Right. Like, there's people literally dying. Yeah. Poor girl. Um, So we cut to the hospital. Giles and Buffy go and visit her. The poor Laura, girl yeah. can barely speak. Buffy is, like, really sweet in this scene. Yeah. And I think that, like, it's... 
not very often that we see Buffy open up her heart to the people that aren't like her close circle. Yeah. And so the fact that she's just very empathetic, very sweet with this mm-hmm. like girl that she's really never met is just like, yeah. it's very, it's very sweet to see Buffy just kind of very soft and very kind. Yeah. And I know mm-hmm. we've been, we've been joking around this episode a ton, but like, I want to shed a little bit of light on like the tougher themes of this episode, specifically right here. Um, Buffy asks her, or I don't remember if it was Buffy or Giles, but one of them asks her what he looked like. And she like chokes up, like she physically can't describe what happened. And Mm -hmm. I think that, anyway, I mean, I've never been a victim to um, like physical harm, so I can't really like speak on this, but I have heard um, from people that it's like, when you go through major trauma, either like with like being physically abused, like sexually or like being beaten up or whatever, like sometimes your mind has a hard time processing it processing it and you can't really describe what the person looked like like you know for a fact that it happened um but it's really like you can't figure out details details. yeah yeah because your mind is just going through so much trauma that it's just trying to erase it as much as possible well and Um, sometimes too if it's someone that you know you're also trying to protect them because your mind is like no they didn't they weren't really trying to hurt me or they were you want to protect them Mm -hmm. or you feel like maybe i deserved it and so Mm -hmm. not saying that that's what laura is going through in that moment but i think this is supposed to kind of represent both her and And the boy billy's case later on where i think billy might have been trying to protect, protect him. his his kitty league coach mm-hmm. you know yeah, but it had to, it had to take all the other i mean we'll get to this later but like it had to take the whole gang for like billy to realize what the guy did was wrong and that it wasn't just his fault of why he mm-hmm. lost they lost the game you know yeah. yeah yeah so the girl only says lucky 19 lucky 19 and later on the doctor says she got off easy the other one is still in a coma and then that's when they see the little boy mm-hmm. or see little bits of the boy um in the other room i mean not okay. the whole thing i know that sunnydale's uh police force is not really known for being active <laughs> but not stellar if i was a policeman and like first of all quit if you're in Sunnydale. <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm I'm going to be moving to a whole different country. Be like a private detective or something but, where you can like, I don't know. But like, if there was a kid who got like really beat up and he was on a little league game and, you know, they lost the game, mm-hmm. I, I feel like my first instinct would be like, talk to the coach. Like, yeah. the fact that the coach isn't really talked to, and I guess... I mean, that is kind of realistic. Like, there's a lot of information that is missing. And I think that, like, we don't know where are Billy's parents, you know, yeah, we all don't this know other much. stuff. Where are the other kids on the team who, like, someone should have seen something, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think all that information is not necessarily important, which is why they didn't add it in. But yeah, well, I think I, it's still like valid questions. Well, and honestly, I, I think the reason why they didn't de- like dig too deep into like Billy's situation is because everyone else was going through something i'm sure even the policemen yeah. had my nightmares they were having to deal with <laughs> yeah so like i think well and that's i the think reason it's, why. it's also it's more realistic like the fact of the matter is a lot of times like unfortunately kids do get abused or um you know unfortunate things like that happen and sometimes you can't find the person who did it sometimes or they don't believe them sometimes they don't believe them yeah like there's so many things and i feel like that's realistic unfortunately like mm. it is like mm-hmm. sometimes you just don't get the bad guy and i mean 
not to spoil the ending of this episode, but you do get the bad, bad guy in this episode. <laughs> but I think that they just might have wanted to leave it a little bit more like open-ended in that way because yeah. that's more realistic. Like, it is mm-hmm. not always super black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in the hallway, we have um, <laughs> everyone's nightmares funny. are starting to show up. We have like this cool guy. It totally looks like Grease. He's got the he leather does, jacket. Yes. Yep. He's all talking like all macho like this. And then his mom goes, oh, baby. He's like, mama, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> and Xander's face is really funny in this one because he's just loving it. He's like soaking it in. Plus, and because then- he has masculinity is- issues. So like yeah. seeing someone else having to go through something that he himself <laughs> would absolutely hate, it gives him a little yeah. bit of joy which i think is ironic because then he walks in and then you know he's in his underwear yep which is like joss Whedon was so smart in the fears that he chose to give his characters like Mm -hmm. they weren't just like stupid fears of like oh you know i want to give him the typical one of like walking in and he doesn't have his pants on like he gave that one to xander but it makes sense that it's xander yeah Mm -hmm. because xander wants to be seen as macho and masculine and like yeah, super he tough. doesn't want to so, be vulnerable exactly and so being stripped down literally physically and like you know kind of vulnerably not really that's that word doesn't work but it's fine um <laughs> I know in front of, yeah in front of people is makes so much sense for his character even like buffy you know forgetting a test and all that makes sense for her character because like she's so scatterbrained and she feels like she's not really focused in school and she has all this pressure her heart is tied in different ways exactly and so the fears that he gives them are just like they make sense for their Mm -hmm. characters even in the midst of xander's fear he kind of like shows a little bit of willow's fear because willow walks in first everyone starts laughing and her face is like oh my gosh they're laughing at me she's and Mm -hmm. we see later on she doesn't want to be the center of attention she doesn't want to be the center of attention. She doesn't want to perform in front of people. She doesn't want anyone noticing her. And then mm-hmm. she turns around and it's Xander and she's like kind of relieved. Even the way she talks mm-hmm. about it later on, she kind of like laughs about it for a little bit. But then she's like, oh, but it's not funny that that happened to him. I think yeah. she's a little bit relieved as well. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting too because the classroom that he walks into is the classroom where there's that same teacher that he was kind of um, super in, oh, into earlier on. Yeah. You could see her behind Willow in the background. Mm. And so I think once again, it's showing his insecurities of this is who he really is. And mm. she's seeing who he really is, oh. not the person that he was trying to put on earlier on in the episode. Wow. Look yeah, at you, just Sarah. like. Just little subtle things in there. Well, I mean, but it's really intentional and interesting. And yeah, I just love it. I love it. Also, I wanted to point out that when Willa opens her locker, there's a Nerf Herder sticker on the inside. And Nerf Herder is the band that Allison Hannigan suggested to Joss Whedon for doing the theme song of Buffy. Oh, yeah. I remember you saying that. I really like that Allison Hannigan is like, ooh, I'm going to put a sticker in Willow's locker and it's going to be like, you know, Willow loves Nerf Herder. So cute. And it ties into the show so well. Yeah, it really does. I love little Easter eggs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then back in the library, Giles can't read. And Poor then we guy. find out that he can read five languages. Like, mm-hmm. dude is smart. What a flex, dude. Could you imagine just being like, hey, Giles, like, oh, do you know like, Spanish? He's like, actually, I know every language ever. So He probably knows like Latin, which is like a dead language. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, yeah, for I sure. I bet you he knows like a language of demons. Wouldn't yeah. surprise me. And then I, yeah. he probably knows like German or something. <laughs> I was going to say British. And I was like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not his own language. <laughs> like, Giles, oh you know, God. sixth language. You speak British. 
Well, she's, she says something like, can't you read four languages? And he's like, well, five actually. Yeah, I know. He's like, mm, no big deal. Just mm-hmm. five. <laughs> he has to correct her. Poor guy, though. I mean, we kind of talked about earlier him getting like lost in the stacks is definitely like terrifying. But also like this one kind of ties into it as well. It's like he physically can't no read. Kidding. That's his one, one role. Okay, this one is the first fear of the episode that I would have. This is really? genuine. Yes. Genuinely, genuinely terrifying. Well, I think it's also because like I'm dyslexic. And so, and it was so much worse when I was younger. And so sometimes I would literally look at a page and it like all the letters and stuff were like scrambled to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like a puzzle. Um, I just like cannot even fathom not being able to like read or see or like, I just, yeah. it's one of my worst fears. Yeah. So. Especially for Giles, who is a literal librarian. Like yep. that would be awful. I also love that we're having little glimpses of Giles's fears throughout here because we haven't had a Giles standalone episode in this yeah. season yet. Yeah, and we're I'm gathering loving, more information. Yeah, I'm loving the little glimpses into Giles' character and his emotions and his thought process because he's yeah. very – he's <laughs> not really an open book. He kind of keeps <laughs> himself <laughs> – had to have a pun. There's always got to be a pun every episode. Yeah. But I just love the little glimpses into his psyche that we're getting. Anyway, so – Buffy makes the correlation between the boy in the hospital as Billy Palmer, the kid in the newspaper that is in a coma. Buffy's seen him around and Giles is like, it may be astral projection. And then just then, Hank shows up. And this is the first time we've ever seen Buffy's dad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's weird, man, because it's real dad and then fake dad. And yeah. Um, Yep, they're they not meet. who you think they are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like uh, this scene is kind of like so sad because he walks in and he immediately Buffy's like, is something wrong? Like she just knows. Yeah. Like in her mind, she's like, why would he be on campus so early? Which yeah. we find out is fair of her to yeah. assume. And I think that also Buffy was kind of working against herself and assuming mm-hmm. the worst as well, which I mean, it ended up preparing being, herself. Yeah. Being right. But point, I think Leah. that she like saw his body language and was just like, I'm just going to assume the worst now because if, you know. If it ends up being that I'm wrong, then great, we have a good day. But if it ends up being that I'm right, like, I'm at least prepared for the worst. See, I I, I disagree a little bit with what you're saying about his body language, Leah, because I thought the, the, um, the opposite when he came in. The way he explained how he felt outside and the way he walked in was very confident, like he didn't care, like his emotions mm. were detached. Like right. if I was going to have the conversation with somebody I supposedly was supposed to care about, it'd be a lot more delicate but he yeah. walked in and he did not care. He was like, right. he's like, hey, kiddo, you want to go think, talk? But I think it's like yeah. when you know someone, you know when their body language is different to what it would normally be. I'm not saying he walked in and he was like, we're going to have a heart talk. Oh, I see but what I you're think saying. Yeah. It was more of his mm-hmm. body language. She could tell that there it was, was something off. Mm-hmm. Like even like there are some days where Tabby will wake up and she doesn't say anything. And I'm like, oh, like you seem a little weird today. Or like, <laughs> or, like or I'm sure they're out. <laughs> no, no. And I'm sure that there are like times where like I wake up and, you know, Tabby's the same for me or like my family or my friends. Like you can just tell when <laughs> Tabby's yeah, face Leah, right now. Why'd you bring that up? <laughs> I'm just relating it. <laughs> Sometimes time people walk around, she'll just glare at me. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, someone's in the mood. No, I'm just saying like when you know someone, you know their body language no, and you understand them. And so it's like, like if I was to act the same to Tabby and to a stranger, like Tabby would pick up on my bad mood way before mm-hmm. the stranger would because the yeah. stranger doesn't know me. So yeah. the stranger doesn't know 
how I act normally. Whereas like, because, you know, she knows me and knows my like mannerisms and stuff. Like you can pick up on people's bad moods much easier. And that's what I'm saying with Buffy and her dad. Like to us, a viewer, you're kind of like, well, he doesn't seem that weird to me, but it's also like, we've never seen him before. Yeah. Of course, Buffy would pick up on a weird mood before we would. Yeah. No, that's, that's a really astute observation, Leah. That makes sense. I also wanted to point out that Hank is dressed a lot like Giles dresses. He's got oh, like they a did that on jacket. Yeah, yep. it was very, very obvious. Um, okay, so in this next moment, oh, is it okay if I just play the audio clip? Because I'm just going to end up reading yeah. everything. And I feel like this There's so is much that you need to hear so and experience. Potent. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the show before, just so you can know how incredibly deep and I don't know, just how deep it can get, but also how hurtful this moment painful. is. Painful. It's just, yeah. it's very painful. I came early because there's something I've needed to tell you about your mother and why we split up. Well, you always told me. Uh, I know we always said it was because we've just grown too far apart. Yeah, isn't that true? Well, come on, honey, let's, let's sit down. Uh, you're old enough now to know the truth. Is there someone else? No. No, it was nothing like that. Then what was it? It was you. Me? Having you. Raising you. Seeing you every day. I mean, do you have any idea what that's like? What? Gosh, you don't even see what's right in front of your face, do you? Well, big surprise there. All you ever think about is yourself. You get in trouble. You embarrass us with all the crazy stunts you pull. And do I have to go on? No. Be still. You're sullen and rude and you're not nearly as bright as I thought you were going to be. <laughs> hey, Buffy, let's be honest. Could you stand to live in the same house with a daughter like that? Why are you saying all these things? Because they're true. I think that's the least we owe one another. No, I don't think it's very mature getting blubbery when I'm just trying to be honest. Speaking of which, I don't really get anything out of these weekends with you. So, what do you say we just don't do them anymore? That hurts me every time. It's just like, I think the the worst part is when she's like, oh, like, what's the problem? Like, what, what happened? Was there another girl? And he's like, no, it's you. Like, obviously, he says some very hurtful things later on, but I think the initial shock of it, like, I could not even imagine what that would feel like Mm -hmm. to, like, hear the words that you've been fearing your whole life said by your dad. And more. And more. Mm -hmm. And then it just be so cold and, like, callous and just very, like, a matter of a fact. Well, I I, see for me, the part that really, like, hurt me the most was the ending when she gets, like, she starts crying. And he says, I don't think it's very mature to be all blubbery when I'm just Mm. trying to be honest with you. Like, he's... Dismiss, he's dismissing her emotions by yep. all the hurtful things anyone could ever say ever say about their child and he's like mm-hmm. i don't think it's very mature for you to get a blubbery I'm like this girl is sitting there and trying to be mature and says nothing hurtful back yep. just sits there and takes but it's it also just the fact the fact that he calls her selfish i'm like mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. anything buffy literally like is giving up her life giving up her freedom giving up everything to be the slayer to fight for people to 
do all this and he the fact that he's just sitting there being like you're so selfish like i if i was her i would literally strangle him i'd be like i am literally fighting for you <laughs> this is why leah's in this <laughs> i just would be so pissed i'm like are you kidding me? like i literally i i spend my nights in graveyards like come on mm-hmm. selfish yeah. are you kidding me like i'd be so pissed i don't know yeah. how she's keeping it together i would i would be crying but it wouldn't be sad i'd be angry I'm like are you kidding me yeah it took like, it took this rewatch for me to realize his line where he says you're not nearly as bright as i thought you'd be and then the whole scene whole nightmare of her not knowing that there's a test made sense yeah. to me mm-hmm. i was like mm-hmm. she feels like all any type of responsibility whether it be the slayer or the small like um responsibilities that either joyce or her dad gives her it, even in academics she holds to the highest regard she wants to be you know as best as she can be so that she can be strong for them that she can be smart enough for them and by him saying that she's like dang like we started with the smaller fears of like her academics and then now her dad and then we'll see later on you know her slayer life is three different aspects of her life and like Mm -hmm. for him to call back to her smallest one and it's just like ah my this is so painful in every way yeah, you made a good point, Tabs. They're literally attacking every area yeah. of Buffy's life. She's afraid of her relationship with her parents. She's afraid of essentially who she actually is. She's afraid she's not enough. Yeah. She's also afraid, and that, I mean, that stems to, you know, academics, but mm-hmm. everything that her dad says to her, Joss was really smart in how he wrote it to be the most biting, mm-hmm. the most, um, awful thing that Buffy herself could possibly hear. The fact yeah. that her parents didn't even want to be around her. He says she's sullen and rude, which I think is Buffy's um, is the way I think sometimes her mom sees her as. And even though Buffy herself is not actually that way, I think that's Buffy not knowing how to relate to her parents, but also not knowing how much to let her mom in because mm-hmm. she can't share with her like the most yeah. important thing in her life. You know, So she might seem cold, but she's trying right. to protect them by not giving exactly. them too much details about her life. Yeah, right. totally. I also noticed in this last rewatch a couple of shots where it's on Buffy's face and you have Hank's um, shoulder right there. I don't know if mm-hmm. this is intentional or not, but Buffy goes out of focus a couple times and his shoulder comes in focus, almost kind of like as if you were on Buffy's end. You know how sometimes when someone says something to you that's so hurtful or you just can't imagine, like you can't, yeah. you can't realize what they're saying. You kind of like it's an out of body experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. can't focus on things. And I thought that was, mm-hmm. if that was intentional, I don't know if it was or not. If it was intentional, it was really clever because you kind of feel a little bit like Buffy does in that moment. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway. Yikes. So Buffy sees Billy Porter again. And I love that she, kind of ignores it for the moment almost as if this is just too hard i can't Mm -hmm. like i think there's a part of her that she sees him and is realizing okay this isn't real like this can't possibly be real but in that moment it was so hurtful and it felt so real that she can't even get up and go yeah after him Uh, or more so that she doesn't even really want to yeah it's like could you imagine just being so like emotionally exhausted and beat down and having you know one of the people that you care the most about in the world, but like you're selfish. I don't care about you and I'm not going to see you anymore. I wouldn't want to fight for anyone either. It's like, dang. Yeah. Like, no kidding. I feel like stupid and beaten down and emotionally exhausted. Like, why would I want to go talk to some random kid? Like, mm-hmm. don't blame her at all. Well, the last two times that the kid or Belly showed up were 
both of her fears. The first one wasn't her fear. It was the spiders. But the last two ones were in the middle of her fear, which they're mm-hmm. getting worse. So at this point, she's like, I think that she just doesn't process that she's seen him again. So she kind of like looks mm-hmm. over and then she like looks away and then like kind of like pulls herself together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back in the library, Willow and Xander. At this point, Xander's like, okay, something is actually going on now because it's affecting me now. And he's like putting oh, on course. his gym clothes comes in and, and Giles is all like, um, where are your other clothes? And Xander's like, that is an excellent question. We would like to know. And um, Willow says what you mentioned earlier, Tabby. She's like, I wouldn't want everyone staring at me. Mm-hmm. And that would be, you know, that would be awful. And Xander's like, yeah, it's a literal nightmare. And then Willow, once again, she's. it seems like she's always the first one to kind of catch up on things. Yeah. She's like, oh, nightmare. Hey, like this could this be dreams and giles says dreams dreams could be the musical comedy version of this no this is nightmares and then he's like it's got to be billy um and i love how they're like willow goes well how in the world is billy able to do this because people go in comas all the time and i love that giles is like well you know things like this are much easier on the hellmouth. and then it's kind of like they push it away and move on like yeah the only reason this is possible because of the Bellbow. Hellmouth. Yep. Don't think about it too much. Just move on. Yep. Well, I think we've mentioned it before, but Joss Whedon has mentioned the fact that uh, they definitely dismiss a lot of things by putting the Hellmouth in Sunnydale because yeah. then it's just like, hmm, we could create some creepy backstory to this, or we can just say the fact that it's the Hellmouth. Mm-hmm. And one fits in our budget and is a lot easier. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to go with that yeah. one. Right. Exactly. Then we have the wonderful scene of Cordelia opening her locker and seeing her hair. Oh my goodness, I can't. (laughs) She breaks her brush and is like, I just went to the salon this week. I know. And the fact that like Buffy just went through a traumatic experience with her father and like Cordelia's like, (laughs) right. And Cordelia's fear is like her hair. It just shows the major contrast between the two. What a normal high school girl would probably be scared of and what Buffy is scared of. Yeah. And once again, yeah, you're right, Tabs. We're seeing, like, I always used to think, oh, they put Cordelia in here for comic relief, which, Mm -hmm. yes, they do. But Cordelia's also in here to show the things that Buffy would be struggling with if she were not the Slayer. Mm -hmm. So we see Cordelia struggling with bad hair day. And then, oh, she has to be on the chess team later on, you know? Those are not as awful as, you know, your dad completely rejecting your very existence. Yep. So then Buffy's walking soberly all by herself sees billy go into the gym and follows him in there and he doesn't remember what happened after the game and he confirms that he is lucky 19 and he says the ugly man calls him that and then the horrible deformed man in the trench coat and <laughs> the club shows up and attacks them both and buffy's um no match for him and her and billy escape And back in the library, we see Giles and Xander and Willow realizing that, hey, Buffy doesn't realize that this is all a nightmare. We've got to get back to her because the things that Buffy dreams about often come true. Mm -hmm. Like, we have to get over there. And I think it's, again, you know, interesting that they showed her nightmare at the beginning of the episode, not just as a precursor of, oh, hey, this episode is going to be about nightmares, but also just kind of a, a reminder that, Buffy's dreams are premonitions often yeah, and they come true. Um, Willow, again, voice of reason is like, um, I don't think we should split up. I think that if we stay together, it would be a little bit MVP safer. But no one listens. So freaking stupid. I mean, I feel like Willow 
does not get as much spotlight in this episode. Like, it's much more about, like, Buffy and actually Giles gets a lot of screen time in this, which is absolutely deserved. Um, But the few times that I feel like she is more on screen, she's just, like, silently being like, everyone here is stupid. Mm-hmm. we're doing this a different way and you're just like yes willow well giles Speak is that not reason. his normal self because he can't read he's yeah. like he's and Buffy's mentally out checked of sorts. out yeah yeah well and i think it's interesting too because there's a lot of emphasis put on xander buffy and giles's nightmares and not a whole lot of willows i think we only see one well of up until this point this she hasn't one. had one exactly and but i think the ones that she does have are very telling for her character and we'll yeah see i would agree on. Um, so then Willow sees Cordelia wearing Pink like dragged. grumpy yep. homeschool, like Amish it clothing so with funny. her hair. And she's like, she's like, but I promise I'm not on the chess team. Yeah. And they're like a bunch of chess guys like dragging her yep. into the room. Like who would do that even on a normal day? Oh, I know. <laughs> so funny. And then this scene is interesting because Willow hears Buffy calling her. And I think this is the beginning of Willow's nightmare for me personally. I think we talked about this last time, but I think it's very interesting and telling that Willow hears Buffy calling her and she keeps saying, I'm not afraid or don't be afraid. Don't be afraid as she goes down into the creepy basement. And I can't help but feel like this is kind of a metaphor for what's going on in her everyday life of Willow being scared of the Slayer life, scared of all these things that yeah. Buffy is a part of and constantly calling her to. Well, she doesn't feel like she's strong at yes. all. Yes, yes, yeah. And I think um, it's admirable of, of Willow to be like, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. But mm-hmm. also, like, she's going to follow Buffy no yeah. matter if Buffy calls her somewhere that's really scary, yeah. you know? So she gets grabbed by someone and then <laughs> back to the hall, we see Xander Entering into the classroom or entering into the hallway and he sees swastikas on the I don't know how the- you wouldn't pick up that this is a nightmare right. just by the way it's looked. Exactly. Literally, I would walk right out. There's like pieces of like clear like, um, I don't even, what do you even call that? Tarp. Like tarp paper? Tarps, yeah. yeah. Like all over the walls. There's like trash everywhere. There's like um, uh, paint cans all over the floor. Mm-hmm. There, Yeah. And then spray painted swastikas. But it, yeah. he is completely ignoring all of that because there's chocolate on the floor so he can be forgiven Typical. right Cabs, it's just chocolate Typical. It's chocolate. <laughs> and like there's literally like hell breaking loose all around him and, and like such a guy to be like oh here's something i like i'm just gonna focus on that right yeah <laughs> i cannot oh my goodness i try not to slam on xander's character <laughs> she says that every episode <laughs> I, <laughs> I, really, I swear on my life guys i try not to be so harsh on his character because like i understand that his character has a lot of positives to him he's just an easy target in this but season just, like, the fact just that he, he's just such a boy like he just like walks into the room <laughs> we and, like boys we like boys no i but, like yeah. men i don't like boys there's a difference oh, okay dang Sorry. i'd love to hear leah's uncensored thoughts about yeah. him <laughs> because if this is her censored i can't but the fact that he like walks in and like there's like swastikas on the wall and everyone's been dealing with nightmares and like he's just not cluing into the fact that mm, maybe something's a little off like the ceiling's falling off there's like freaking uh things like up in the room and he's like oh chocolate i just like yeah oh my gosh he just drives me crazy Nothing wrong here he's just Completely so like normal. sometimes i literally just like xander like think with your head dude like you know <laughs> it's not that hard okay i this might be a stupid question and i 
I just thought about it right now, but could there be some correlation between like a swastika and like, and like, cause, I mean, because we know that Willow's Jewish. So I'm just like mm-hmm. wondering if there's like some sort of correlation between that, like the way he, he treats her. I don't know if that's really dark to say, but like even in the pack, like he was really rude to her. He takes her for granted and he has like, like a wrong I don't idea. Think, of- I don't think Xander's a Nazi because he was saying his fear is over, you know, swastikas and stuff like that. I think, I think that's what he deems as maybe he fears scary. being that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, it could be that he fears being that. But I think also Xander's going, okay, Nazis versus spiders. Okay. You know, Nazis are way scarier than spiders. Right. But he says yeah. swastikas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it, it's interesting though because Xander mitigates willows or downplays willows fear that's like maybe mm-hmm. could be ranked around a two or a three and jump straight for 11 you know nazis mm-hmm. and it's like okay yes sander we all agree that that is a scary scary thing but like this can be scary too you know right so so buffy and billy are trying to find the library and um they see the baseball diamond and billy's like i lost the game and he said it was my fault and um, when you lose, it's bad. And yeah. I love that Buffy says there are eight other people on the team. Mm-hmm. What? Why is it your fault? You know? Yeah. And I also, I love the fact that um, if you notice, the bad guy doesn't show up until after Billy kind of gets scared. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's like we know because we've seen the episode, but like it's caused by his fear. He shows up when he becomes afraid and he's tearing himself down. Or when he starts talking about what happened. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's only when he is reliving those memories, when mm-hmm. he is keeping the memory of the guy the in his man. mind. Yeah. And so it's like, it's just so well done because when you're first watching the episode, you're like, oh no, you know, the guy's showing up. Ah. Um, but when you are rewatching, you're like, it's so interesting that he starts showing up after Billy has walked Buffy through what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and he starts to actually become afraid and scared again. And it's it's probably following along the same theme of vampires. They can smell fear and it tastes better, like the person yeah. tastes better to them. It's the whole idea of like when you're afraid, then the thing has power You become over more you. of a target, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then so we pan over and we see the ugly man and he completely knocks out someone random. Yeah, yeah you just hear the and the guy's and, just laying on yeah, the floor. Yeah, well, in broad daylight too. I was like, dang, they're really going there. Okay. Um, that'd be scary. And like right next to like a game with kids too. I was like, wow, that's really brave of him. Um, so they start running away. They go through a bush and then immediately they're in the graveyard and it's dark. I just think it's really interesting that he says, is this where your friends are? Because they're entering this dark graveyard and it could be foreshadowing um, of a future nightmare or a hidden nightmare that Buffy has of her friends all dying and being buried in the graveyard. Or it could even be foreshadowing of Buffy herself later yeah. on the episode becoming a vampire and all her friends, the vampires, hang out in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot to unpack in just that one question. Yeah. So Willow is forced on stage and I love this. So funny. Because she's like terrified, obviously. She's in like this geisha costume. And the she gets on stage and the guy's like singing. And she's like, I didn't learn the words. And then he sings and looks at her. This part and kills then, me. She and like she's like, looks is over. it my turn? He goes, mm-hmm. yeah, go, mm-hmm. <laughs> It kills me. It's like he's singing it. Um, I, I want to take note 
uh, of the fact that she says that I didn't learn my lines, which I feel like is very accurate to who Willow is. I think obviously she's terrified of being up front of every everyone, but I think she's more scared of not having control over like not being prepared. Yeah, not being yeah. prepared. Mm-hmm. She's like, if I'm horrible, then I'm horrible. But I'd rather at least know what I'm singing so I can give it my best shot, you know, because mm-hmm. she's a bookworm. She loves to like prepare herself. Like even this episode, Leah pointed out that she like was making good insights that she was making very logical, like um, sound reasoning when everyone else was kind of freaking out. She loves being the prepared person. She loves mm-hmm. being that backbone towards people. So I think the fact that she says, I don't know my lines rather than saying I'm horrible I would say, like, I'm not good enough or whatever, because I can just make up something. I would say nothing. I would run off the stage. I'm like, I'm going to be real. Someone would catch you, you, though. This is your nightmare. They physically force you on the stage. I'm going to be real with you guys. Uh, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But that's a good observation, Tabs. I think that um, Willow likes to be that person that people can lean on. Mm -hmm. She likes to be stable and dependable. And she also likes having control of situations we see with um when it comes to the computer she likes hacking into things she mm-hmm. likes um having knowledge and knowing and so being put in a situation where she has attention on her and she also is not in control of the situation i think is incredibly unnerving for her so just a little insight into her character which is just always really interesting yeah then we go straight to the hallway again Xander keeps picking up Still chocolates. chocolate. <laughs> I cannot. And it's like more. And then he says, oh, I haven't had this bar since. And then you hear laughing in the background. Oh, and, and I will say like, clown. Yep, yep. I give Xander crap, but I would literally pee my pants. I couldn't do if it. If I saw no, this no, clown. No, 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 like no. I would literally cry. I would sit on the floor, pee mm-hmm. my pants, cry, and <laughs> let him kill me. Like I would be a goner. And like later on in the episode, he like goes back and punches him when he's holding a knife. I'm like, okay, yep. I give you props, Xander. Like yep. I couldn't do that. I will say Xander is the only one in this episode who, besides uh, Billy, mm-hmm. is and well, Buffy. Okay, well, I guess there's a few people, but <laughs> Xander is the first, He's the first one. one. He's the yeah. first one to conquer his fear, which like good for him. Like, yeah, that takes a lot of guts to like stand up and like face not only your biggest fear but also someone just in general coming at you with a knife. Like, yeah, good for him. Arguably, Buffy didn't really face one of her fears. She faced the ugly man who was Billy's fear, but she didn't really face it. But I mean, she had to get over the fact that she was a vampire. I think she just used it. I think it's not like that she got like... No, I think she did because Giles talks to her and goes, and we'll get there, but he says... Um, can you do this for me? I think we can reverse it. And she's like, because she was saying, nobody look at me and she just wants to sit there. And at that moment, you could tell she just kind of wanted to cave in. Um, not to mention the fact that she like digs herself out of her own grave. Like, you know, both yeah. of those things takes a lot of um, bravery. I mean, but she didn't know that she, I mean, she was literally becoming a vampire at the moment. So arguably she didn't like bring herself out of there to get herself out in her mind she was like i'm a, like i'm dragging myself out because i mean that's either what way she had a fight either way she had a, no she didn't know yeah she didn't know she was a vampire at that moment she didn't know until they said buffy your face and then she felt her face and then realized that she was a vampire i don't know i think buffy usually has a harder time processing things in the moment so i feel like she just kind of was using it as her source of beating the ugly man rather than like actually facing it in the moment and we could disagree on that but like i just i viewed it as that way 
Yeah. Well, we can talk about it in a second because I wanted to talk about this moment right here where um, her and Billy are walking through the graveyard and Mm -hmm. they come to an open grave and Billy says, who died? And the master is there and he goes, what's the fun? He said, no one. What's the fun in burying someone who's already dead? Yep. And then Buffy says, you're not real. And he says, so you're the slayer. You're prettier than the last one, which Oh, okay, so, so way degrading. to just diminish yep. everything that Buffy is yeah. down yeah. to her looks. Absolutely. And, and people people do that all the time with Buffy. We've seen this for yeah. episodes and episodes. And especially her dad saying that, like, you're not nearly as bright as I thought you'd be. Everyone tries to hold her down to being like, you're not bright. Um, only diminishing her to her looks. Like, everything is based off of what she looks like and how she performs in academics. Yeah. And it's like, even like, with her mom it's like usually parents when they don't know how to connect with their children they ask how's school going oh you look nice today you know things like that where it's just like you feel like you're not seen as who you are so by him pointing out both those things is just like oh it's it's aggravating for us as viewers who see buffy as more than that we're like oh my gosh you don't even know what she's like you know i mean yes he knows that she's a slayer but he's like i've seen several different slayers in my lifetime so it's no big deal for him Yeah, all I can say is that you're prettier than the last one. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the episode. I really believe the master doesn't fear Buffy. He is looking at her and he's like, you're no big deal for me. Like, all you are is pretty, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just incredibly, like, degrading, you know? He picks the one thing. Yeah. The one thing that hasn't probably been torn down by her dad is like, oh, literally pretty. The scariest thing that he says is that, like, or just like the saddest thing he says is that um, you fear me, so that's why I'm free. And I'm, I'm like, yeah. oh, yikes. Like she feared it, so it happened. And then she's like, this is just a dream. This is just a dream. And he grabs her by the throat and says, a dream is a wish your heart makes, which is normally something I know. Cinderella. Oh, so a sweet, so happy. But in this one, he's like, you dreamt it, so I'm here. Like this is yeah. what you actually want and then throws her in the grave. So like, and then ugh, gives me shivers. Yeah, it's really malicious. And okay, and then fun fact. So it's not really fun fact, but so this is actually Sarah Michelle Geller crying and actually being terrified because I would that's one of her actual fears. So she's afraid of graveyards in real life and she's also actually afraid of being buried alive. And she mm-hmm. begged Joss Weed and he was like, don't worry. He's like, this is the only time you'll have to do this. Just get in there. And she actually conquered her fear and did it. But she cried yeah. in her car after that for a few minutes. Yeah. Poor girl. I would too. Man. You could see like the ugh, like the genuine fear in her. She starts panicking when she's underneath there. She's like, get me out. I'm like, oh, girl, me too. I would feel yeah. the exact same way. Well, she was probably like feeling that extra pressure of I have to nail this or they'll make yeah. me do it again. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Back in the school, Willow's getting shoved out of or off the stage and booed and she smacks Poor into thing. Xander. I know. And she's all like traumatized, can barely even speak. And Xander's all like, hey, do you remember my sixth birthday party? And she starts laughing. Yeah, the clown. And then they hear the laughter and both of them are running. And I love that they run into Giles. He sees the clown and he shrieks. He's like, I would. I don't blame him at all. Like, I give Xander a lot of crap, but like, I'd be terrified. Yeah, no kidding. Then this is the moment that Xander stands up punches him and says, you know what? You had sucky balloon animals and you're not actually that funny. And okay, so we've got to give Xander 
props and credit in this scene because not only is he the first person to do it, but Xander is many, many things. And we've talked about those many, many things, but he really is not a coward. He likes to say he is, but in actuality, he's very brave. When it counts, he's there. When it doesn't really count, he doesn't show up. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like the fact that we've talked about the fact that Xander's character is very human. And so like whenever Xander does do something that is remarkably like above and beyond what a normal human would do it's like wow good for you xander like because he's supposed to be like this normal average guy and so the fact that he can stand up to one of his biggest fears and Mm -hmm. fight it is extremely impressive i also think like Mm -hmm. we have such low expectations for him and i think they do this on purpose (laughs) They, they when you have low expectations for anyone they do anything heroic and everyone's like wow pat on the back like standing ovation, he did amazing. It's like that TikTok where everyone's like, wow. <laughs> Sarah Which I mean, I, I, I agree with, but I think it's also like anyone standing up to their fears deserves props. That's like, true. Physically seeing the manifestation. Not to minimize Xander's fear. <laughs> well, no, that's no, that's what I'm saying. Is that like physically seeing the manifestation of your fear is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. one that most normal people wouldn't really go through and so the fact that xander like not only is brave enough to like you know like acknowledge it and stand up to it he like beats it like Mm -hmm. i don't know like even though i feel like xander does have a very low like we have a very low expectation for him like i think for anyone like it's Mm -hmm. a brave thing to do yeah and i also wonder if this had happened before teacher's pet or the pack if xander would have had the courage to even stand up to the clown or before Um, he met buffy right and i think we're seeing a little bit of character growth in him Mm -hmm. which is encouraging and it's good you know he's growing even just in the past seven or eight or i guess we're on 10 now 10 episodes yeah Mm -hmm. so they um they ran outside and they see everyone else in the school or people in the street and they're running around being chased yeah. by whatever nightmares they have, which one of them I was like, oof, do not want to have that nightmare. And um, Giles mentions that reality is going to fold in on itself. Yeah, it's going to get worse and worse. Well, because we've seen that the nightmares are getting progressively deeper and darker and harder stuff. So I can't yeah. even imagine what the world would be like. Yeah. They're like, we got to wake Billy. Um mm-hmm. And then Willow's like, hey, um, since when was there a cemetery across the street? Again, Willow being the voice of reason. Great. And so they go in and I love this line because I think it's Willow who says, whose nightmare is this? And Giles just says, I mean, it chills me every time he goes, it's mine. And you look down and there's Mm -hmm. Buffy's grave right there. So fresh, sad. And like, I feel like. We, we've seen the progression of Buffy and Giles' relationship. They've been showing their relationship in little ways. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that he's been there when her father hasn't been there, like, in this episode. The correlation or, between him and Hank in this episode. Exactly. Or, yes. like, in The Witch, when he would, like, go and he was, like, fighting for her. Yeah. And like, like, we've seen it in little ways, but I think that this is one of the bigger moments of the first season of Giles being, like, like of silently showing how much he cares for Buffy beyond her, her just being a slayer. Like, he yeah. feels responsible for her. He cares for her. Like, he looks at her as if she was kind of like her own, his own child. Um, yeah. And it's just very, very sweet, but it's also, like, heartbreaking. I cannot even imagine yeah. 
what that would feel like coming becoming so close to someone well, and then sending them out into the battlefield yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the fruition of him feeling helpless. So like both mm-hmm. him and um, Willow in this episode kind of have a lot of correlations in that aspect. He wants to be prepared. And so by the fact of him getting lost in the stacks and then not being able to read and then now like having Buffy die, he's like, it's my fault because I didn't have the resources for you. I didn't train you yep. enough. Yep. And he sits there and like his little like apologizing monologue kills me. Yep. And then it, it's even more meaningful when you think about it and you realize that every single one of his fears ultimately stem from the fact that he feels responsible for Buffy yeah. and he wants to be prepared for her. Yeah, that's why he was so afraid of not being able to read, not being exactly. able to yep. have enough knowledge. Exactly. It's because he's afraid that he's going to fail Buffy. And I think just the correlation between like his speech and Hank's, he says, I failed. Whereas Hank was like, um, I don't even want to be around you. And he's like, I should have been more cautious and trained you. You were so gifted. Hank says, I wish you would have turned out brighter. And then he says, I'm sorry. He's taking responsibility Versus Hank is completely shoving all responsibility yeah. Yeah. and everything back on Buffy. Like just the the complete contrast between the two mm-hmm. of them. You're just like, Giles is the real MVP. Well, you made a good point, Sarah. You said that like Hank was like, I wish that you were brighter. And then Giles says, I wasn't smart enough for you. I didn't help you. Mm-hmm. I didn't give you the resources. I wasn't like there for you in that sense. Like it's just very yeah. sweet. Yeah, totally. And then Buffy grabs his hand, comes out, and she's a vampire, which, whoa, she looks they did cute this the too. first season. Yeah, she's a cute vampire. I know. Um, and then they're and like, Buffy, lo- like, look at your face. And then she like touches it and then turns around and says, don't look at me. Yeah. And um, I love how she's, she's just holding her face and Giles, just so sweet, comes up to her and very quietly says, you never told me you dreamed of being a vampire. Um, and she's like, this isn't a, this isn't a dream. (laughs) And he's essentially just like, Hey, can you hold it together? I think we can reverse this. Um, and just kind of gives her a very sweet pep talk. And she just says, all right, but we better hurry because I'm getting hungry. <laughs> Sanders says, that's a joke, right? And then the moment where, okay, so Giles does a really good job of not showing how stressed he actually is. And then you have this moment with him and Willow as they're exiting. And she's like, well, what do we, what if Billy like doesn't wake up? What if waking him up doesn't actually do anything? Mm-hmm. And um, and Giles is just like, Willow, do shut up. Like he, you could just tell every nerve is just like frayed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's like in like panicking inwardly as well. So back at the hospital, this scene is terrifying because the doctor is like his hands are deformed and he just keeps crying and saying, my hands, my hands. Mm -hmm. You can see like zombies behind them. Like some of the patients have turned into zombies. Um, Dude, if I was a doctor, I feel like that would be my fear as well. It's like not being able to perform my job Mm -hmm. well enough to the fact where like people are dying because of me. I feel like that's something that every doctor struggles with. I just think of like Dr. Strange, like his hands literally became deformed. Mm hmm. So in the hospital, Giles is yelling at Billy in desperation, trying to get him awake. But the astral projection of Billy is hiding, and he points out the ugly man is coming. Um, and I love that Willow's all like, um, guys, we need to hurry. And she opens the window, and there's like killer hornets out. And I was like, there's 2020 <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, and I love this moment because Buffy's like, all right, I know what I need to do. And you could surmise that she's able to stand up against the ugly man because she also has like the slayer and the demon inside of her. Like she's right. got the vampire. But I believe this is also supposed to be kind of like 
Buffy's able to stand up against him because she no longer fears him in that moment as yeah. well. Well, you and know? also, like, vampires are strong, yes, but Buffy's technically stronger than vampires. Right. So, I mean, I'm sure the vampire strength is, like, nice, but, like, I don't think it would do that much more. Well, she said specifically earlier on the episode, she goes, I can't fight him. He's too strong or, like, mm-hmm. I can't beat yeah. him. So, but I think that this is, again, symbolic of Buffy conquering her fears because she goes, there are a lot of things that are scarier than you and I'm one of them. Oh, she, such a good line. Such a great line. And then she attacks him, which it is a great moment. Great line. I love it. But I always have to kind of like remove the sense of realism in the episode because like vampire Buffy clearly like, how did she get there in the daylight? She's in the sunlight oh, I know. There's when she so attacks many him. How but, does she still does she have her soul? But it's like, not real uh, though. It's just a nightmare. So there's a lot of things that could be excused for this. Everything's just being weird. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean it's a cool moment, but I'm always like, I just have so many questions yeah. in this scene. You could argue she's not really a vampire. Mm-hmm, because True. it's just a nightmare. Like, you know how like everything just changes like rules wise and dreams? Like yeah. I could be floating on a cloud and yet like I have a bubblegum dress <laughs> yeah. and it like things don't make any sense. You know? It also sure. poses the question, like, if any of them died in this state, would they actually be dead? Well, she is technically dead. Yeah, she yes. technically died. But after all the dreams stop, she's she's fine. Yeah, so the so answer like, would be, yeah. Well, they'd be crazy. alive. Crazy. Crazy, yeah. And I'm also curious how many people actually remember because it seemed like nobody remembered what happened. Like Hank doesn't remember at the end of the episode. Mm. So is it only the people that actually were in the room with Billy that actively I, I remember? Feel like I, I feel oh. like that would make the most sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's true. Because no one or else remembers. Unless everybody goes back to, oh, like, normal Sunnydale. Yeah, nothing happened. That's true. You know? Um, so then she beats the ugly man. And then I love that she says to Billy, come here, Billy. And Willow goes, wait, what? what what's, I don't understand what's happening. And Xander goes, I, I get it. Yeah. And yep. she has Billy come up and he, she says, you have to do the rest. And he pulls back the mask, which is such a beautiful symbolism. It, yes. of- yeah. I was going to talk about that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Like when I talked about earlier about um, what's the girl that got beat up? What's her name? Do we know her name? Laura. Laura. When she gets beat up in the basement and physically can't describe what he looks like. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is symbolic for Billy having to go up and like physically face his attacker and deface them and see them for who yeah. they truly well, and are also, so like, get over it even in the real world it's like sometimes if you want to go to the police like you're gonna have to be able to identify them and like kind of unmask who the person is and just unmask what really was happening because even right. when like the the um kitty league coach comes in he says like there are eight other players on the team like it's not my fault that we lost so he saw the situation for what it really was and like by him going up there and symbolically like taking off the mask he was able to like face up to what the reality was yeah and yeah. i think that we've talked a lot about how um you know there's always deeper themes and metaphors but i feel like this episode is one of the ones in the first season that actually does a good job mm-hmm. of having a metaphor for something deep without it being so obvious and in your face. Mm-hmm. Like teacher's pet is yes, it's a it's a good metaphor, you know, but it's a little in your face. It's a little Same thing with the pack. It's a little not as intelligently done. Whereas like in this one it's just it's so well done and I just feel like it's very it doesn't dumb it down for the audience. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it does such a beautiful job of showing how horrible this can be and the trauma and stuff, but also the beauty of and the freedom of being listened to and of being heard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I and I think it's very interesting. I never I never picked this up, but Billy says to the kitty league coach when he comes in, he says, it wasn't my fault. There are eight other people on the team. And he says the exact same thing that Buffy said to him earlier yeah. when she said, hey, there's eight other people on the yeah. team. Doesn't he know that? And I think that that's because Billy in that moment, he felt heard by Buffy, but he also needed somebody else to tell him, you're not crazy. Yeah. You're not the reason. Yeah. Like you're not to blame for being hit. Like you didn't, like you're, you're never to blame for being hit. But regardless, like he still had no reason to hit you, even if he said that he did, you know, mm-hmm. like it was just completely idiotic. So the episode closes with everyone outside of the school and Buffy's dad comes and she's like, you can see her kind of like, she mm-hmm. at this point has processed that it was a nightmare. So I think you can see in her face that she's like actually excited to see him. I I mean, I think you, I don't know if you guys would agree with me on that, but she seems like back to normal. Like she's able to process. Okay. Like I conquered my fears. Mm-hmm. Like um, what my dad said wasn't true. And he says, it's so, it's so good to see you. And I'm like, Oh, thank God. Hank said something nice. <laughs> well, yeah. and they also <laughs> mentioned the fact that um, the ugly man or the little coach is, in he's i think he's he's in in prison or he's in prison or he's on trial Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and then so buffy goes and drives away with her dad and then xander and willow are talking and then willow says you were still into her when she was a vampire weren't you (laughs) and xander says i'm sick aren't i oh my goodness so hypocritical he tries to justify himself And instead, you know, you end up having (laughs) Willow be like, "Uh, no, don't try to justify it. And then he realizes he's like, yeah, I'm sick. I need help. So, yeah, that's our Nightmares episode, at least the spoiler-free section. Um, Just a reminder, we will not be having a Scooby secret section at the end of this episode. We'll be uploading it as its own separate episode. So you can check that out and let us know, guys. Did you have any favorite moments from this episode? Um, any character development that you thought was really interesting? Any insights that maybe we forgot? Please let us know. You can find us on Instagram at Becoming Buffy Podcast, or you can email us at Becoming Buffy Podcast at gmail.com. Um, we obviously love discussing these characters probably more than we should, hence how long this episode is. Um, but we also love talking with you guys and we love hearing differing opinions. Um, so if you feel inclined, drop us a message and we'll talk to you guys next week.